from deep inside your radio. So for all of of those of you who have been asking, uh, what does a radio show sound like when the host has uh, just landed in the city a a few hours earlier? Uh, This will be your your answer for the next 59 minutes. You'll you'll hear exactly how it sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, two cities I visited this week uh, both had summer still going on. Uh, As you may know from last week, uh, London uh, had... uh, had summer declared at an end, although it's back this week. But in the meantime, I got to uh, sample it back in the States and uh, to go to New Orleans for the ninth anniversary of uh, the flood there. And nine years ago today, a gentleman by the a, a Syrian-American painting contractor had a successful business in New Orleans for many years named Abdul Rahman Zaytun had stayed in New Orleans, sent his wife and uh, two children to uh, the suburbs, stayed in New Orleans because he wanted to see to the state of a couple of rental properties that he owned, went out on that Tuesday morning. Well, that would be two, uh, nine years ago yesterday, actually, uh, on the Tuesday morning, August 30th, in his canoe to uh, f- help feed people and fi- you know rescue people who needed help because the the streets were canals. And at some point in his journey, he being a Syrian American gentleman who looked like a Syrian American gentleman, he was accosted and ultimately arrested by National Guard personnel, and uh, discovered something interesting that the rest of us didn't know: that while the federal government was uh, tardy, shall we say, in sending food medical equipment, medical uh, supplies, other aid to New Orleans as it was being flooded. It wasn't tardy at all in setting up an emergency jail in the Greyhound bus parking lot, which is where Abdul Rahman Zaytun was kept incommunicado for quite a while. So his wife and kids didn't even know where he was. It's a story uh, immortalized in David Egger's book, Zaytun, and uh, the postscript is that um, since the book and since he got out of that situation, he's ultimately spent about a month in confinement, in, in secret confinement. Uh, life has not gotten better for him. Let's just put it that way. Speaking of New Orleans and uh, looking backward and forward, um, I believe I'll be able to be doing a an updated audio documentary uh, coinciding with the uh, coinciding with the 10th anniversary next year. Um, don't know if you'll be able to hear it in the United States, but it, it, it will have new material uh, about what we didn't know at the time that I made the documentary on the 5th anniversary, The Big Uneasy. So either look for that or don't look for that because it may not be there. Um, now, ladies and gentlemen, experts. Uh, you got to have experts because nobody can know everything about everything. So uh, this morning on one of the Sunday morning yak shows, uh, I'll backtrack just for a moment. The Sunday morning yak shows really worth seeing or hearing today just for those who believe that after our Iraq experience, the dogs of war have been silenced for a while. Oh, no, 
They were out for a big run today, all of them. John McCain leading the pack. Um, ISIS is the biggest threat since, uh, you know, an asteroid hit the planet. Um, interestingly enough, well, first of all, it's not called ISIS anymore. And uh, it's not called National Public Radio anymore either. So let's all keep up. Um, but first of all, the, the uh, a, a intelligence source quoted by the BBC this week, but not, I don't think, quoted very often in the United States, has done research. Imagine that on these two organizations, IS, as it's now called, and Al-Qaeda. And uh, his information, for what it's worth, is that while uh, Osama bin Laden really focused on the, the far enemy, as he called it, meaning attacking the United States, to attain his goal of a caliphate, an Islamic caliphate in the Middle East. ISIS is, is, is theology and ideology and strategy is exactly the reverse. They don't care that much, according to this British intelligence official, about the far enemy. They care more about building the caliphate now, taking land now, which would suggest that they're not. An, even John McCain didn't use the word imminent. He said uh, it's a threat to the United States. In a matter of time, you know, how much time you got, babe. Uh, so, again, we experts are needed to opine on the subject of this. I mean, they, they did something brutal, obviously. They, they beheaded an American. But that's not all they did. Do you know what else the uh, IS folks, <laughs> the folks, did to... Uh, James Foley, ladies and gentlemen, here's exactly how barbaric they are. They waterboarded him several times. What, what kind of people do things like that? What kind of monsters? He was among four hostages, according to the Washington Post, who were waterboarded several times by IS militants who appeared to model a technique on the CIA's use of waterboarding to interrogate suspected terrorists after the 9-11 attacks. Blowback is aboard. Anyway, experts on one of the Sunday morning yak shows, aside from John McCain and Peter King, you know this guy, the congressman from New York, he, he he's ready to bomb a cockroach. Well, he's from New York. Uh, uh, this Sunday morning yak show on CBS had Danielle Pletka on to talk about what we should do in Iraq now and about this IS threat to our way of life or as the uh, moderator on CBS said, is, is IS about to knock on our doorstep? Actually said that. But Daniel Pletka is who I want to focus on here for this moment. She is an Iraq expert at the American Enterprise Institute. She's such an expert, ladies and gentlemen. Now, when you, when you get an expert, you want to maybe review what they've said on the same subject in the recent past, just to just to... Illuminate your understanding of that expert's expertise. Daniel Pletka. Quote, I'm not a big fan of torture. 
Unfortunately, there are times in war when it is necessary to do things in a way that is absolutely completely abhorrent to most good, decent people. I don't want to say that the United States has engaged routinely in such practices, because I don't think that it is routine by any standard. But that said, if it is absolutely imperative to find something out at that moment, then it is imperative to find something out at that moment, and Club Med is not the place to do it, unquote Daniel Pletka to the BBC. But wait. Daniel Pletka on Fox News in February 2003. Quote, look at September 11th. How much did that cost us? I can assure you to our economy, it cost a great deal more than any war with Iraq. Unquote. If you check the estimates, the estimates of the cost of the war in Iraq range on the low side from $1 trillion to, if you count all the long-range veteran costs of, of uh, caring for the veterans, up to $3 trillion. Best estimate of the direct personal and um, economic cost of 9-11, according to the New York Times, $200 billion. Off by an order of magnitude, but there you go. And then Danielle Pletka, this Iraq expert from the American Enterprise Institute, interviewed this morning on um, on whether in September of 2003, whether we needed to send more troops to Iraq. Quote, few proponents, though, have stopped to explain just how flooding the country with more soldiers will fix the problems on the ground, accelerate the transfer of power to an elected Iraqi government or pave the way for American troops to return home sooner. The answer is it won't. Clearly, the job in Iraq is not done, but sending more troops is not the answer. Unquote Daniel Pletka in September 2003. Three years later, she was one of the major supporters of the surge. That's a flexible expert. Hello, welcome to the show. Microcosm of the human race I really like it like that So tell me where you're all at They never stop the pot of nothing They never gonna stop Never move a step. 
From London, England, where I, I've got uh, some Iraq experts for you. Ralph the Talking Computer is one. He's in the other room right now, not available to be an expert on Iraq because he's patching a leak or leaking a patch. But from London, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, news from our friend The Atom. Adam is with us. How are you, Addie? I'm sleep-deprived. You're sleep-deprived? Always. Adams don't sleep. Interesting. Dateline Tehran, Iran's nuclear power chief, said this week that workers have begun designing its nearly completed Arak, A-R-A-K, heavy water reactor to limit the amount of plutonium it can make as part of Iran's interim deal over its nuclear program with world powers. Less plutonium for us all, huh? Yes. A video posted on Iranian state television's website showed nuclear chief Ali Akbar Salehi saying the work had begun as part of uh, routine maintenance at the reactor in the country's northwest. Officials have said redesigning the nuclear reactor will delay its launch by about three years. As originally designed, the reactor could have produced substantial amounts of plutonium, material that can be used in a bomb. Iran had ordered to redesign it to produce only a fifth of the, of the plutonium it could have made, the West has asked Iran to totally replace the reactor with one that would be able to make only minuscule amounts of plutonium. Iran has opposed that, saying a heavy water reactor is needed to produce medical radioisotopes, while a light water reactor, like the one Iran has at Boucher, is used to generate electricity. You know anything about that distinction, Adi? I don't. They just run me around in circles. Hmm. The uh, Iraq reactor remains one of the sticking points between Iran and world powers as they try to negotiate a permanent deal over Iran's nuclear program. As part of the interim deal, Iran has allowed international inspectors from the UN's nuclear watchdog, the IAEA, to visit its nuclear facilities, including those at Iraq. Why would Iran call one of its nuclear plants Iraq? That just confuses everybody. It does, especially Adams. In the aftermath of the earthquake and tsunami that hit Japan, The Daiichi nuclear plant was badly wrecked in a series of meltdowns, as you know. The accident released enormous quantities of radionuclides into the atmosphere and the sea. Three years on, calculating the injurious effects of the radiation on plant, animal, and human health has become a matter of controversy, reports Al Jazeera. A broad scientific study by a U.N. committee 
released earlier this year, was widely criticized by independent researchers for its generally benign findings and lack of reference to the negative data cited in a, in a number of specific scientific studies that had been published earlier. The UN Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation, UNSCEAR, report on the health impact of FUC, was signed by 80 scientists and published in April. In respect of plants and animals, the UN report concluded accumulated doses of radiation were estimated to have fallen short of levels found to cause observable effects in the short term. Such statements were made with the complete absence of any supporting documentation, says Timothy Musso, a professor of biological sciences at the University of South Carolina, one of many researchers troubled by the benign conclusions. Responding, Carl Magnus Larsen, ch- chair of UNSCARE, UNSCARE, Unscare would be more. Yes, it would. Pointed out to Al Jazeera the committee had used data that had been published in the open literature and some data that had not been published and then synthesized it for an overall assessment. It didn't conduct its own field research. By contrast, Mousseau, as a member of scientists called the Chernobyl and Fukushima Research Initiative, relies heavily on field studies for its reports. They've um, studied extensively the consequences of radioactivity at Chernobyl, the effects on animals. Following uh, CFRI's latest findings, Mousseau noted that some half-dozen studies indicating the negative effects of Fouke radiation had been released before the UNSCEAR report, and many more related to Chernobyl effects, which are quite similar in terms of the radiation and consequences. Yet these reports were clearly ignored by the UN group, which had to be out of deliberate ignorance, Mousseau said. It's the best kind of ignorance, isn't it? Accidental ignorance. There's no excuse for that. Other scientists agree with him. I'm ignoring that. Authorities in favor of nuclear energy tend to deny the negative results of researchers, says Tetsuji Imanaka, an assistant professor of nuclear science at Kyoto University. He says this happened after Chernobyl when local scientists in Ukraine, hello Ukraine, and Belarus reported the damaging effects of radiation. Only when the evidence became overwhelming did the authorities acknowledge the results, he said. One unscare admission Musso singled out is the study by scientists from Okinawa of the pale grass blue butterfly in the Fuke zones. He should have been in that unscare report, he says. The study, published a couple of years ago in the journal Scientific Reports, documented a variety of mutations occurring in the butterflies over time and concluded that artificial radionuclides from Fuke caused physiological and genetic damage to this species. The caterpillars were normal? I don't know that. A senior federal nuclear expert is urging regulators to shut down California's last operating nuclear plant until they can determine whether the facility's twin reactors, aren't those cute? The twins? Yes. Can withstand powerful shaking from any one of several nearby earthquake faults. Michael Peck, who for five years was Diablo Canyon's lead on-site inspector says in a 42-page confidential report that the NRC is not applying the safety rules it set out for the plant's operation. That's the NRC's own rules. That's right, isn't that? Nutty? Yeah. I was waiting for you. The document was obtained and verified by the Associated Press does not say the plant itself is unsafe. Instead, according to Peck's analysis, no one knows whether the facility's key equipment can withstand strong shaking from those faults, the potential for which was realized decades after Diablo Canyon nuclear plants were built. Continuing to run the reactors, Peck writes, challenges the presumption of nuclear safety, unquote. 
You know what happens when you presume. No, that's, that's something else. Uh, the NRC and PG&E, which owns Diablo Canyon, Diablo Canyon, says the nearly three-decade-old reactors are safe and that the facility complies with its operating license. Diablo Canyon, unlike what I said a couple of weeks ago in this broadcast, is not in Northern California. It's not even in the possible breakaway state of Jefferson. It is in Central California. Thank you for that correction. The audience is grateful. Thank you for noticing. Florida Power and Light needs millions more gallons of fresh water. We come now to the section of news about the atom, where it's atoms and water. Do they mix? Florida Power and Light needs millions more gallons of fresh water to manage cooling canals that keep two nu- nuclear reactors at Turkey Point from overheating. That's what company officials said in an emergency request to regulators. The hot canals, mm, hot canals, do not pose a safety risk, federal regulators have said, but they forced the utility to dial back operations during the scorching summer, according to the Miami Herald. We have record electricity demand, and what we're doing is taking proactive action to make sure we can effectively manage the situation, said the FPL spokesman. To cool the canals, the the Water Management District this week authorized pumping up to 100 million gallons of water a day from a nearby canal system, but only if it doesn't take too much water stored for Everglades restoration. Canals carry fresh water to Biscayne Bay and tamp down salinity, which can fuel algae blooms and harm marine life. It gets complicated. It does. 100 million gallons would be in addition to 14 million a day from the Floridan aquifer that water managers approved in June when high temperatures threatened to shut down the reactors. The canals have proved difficult to manage this hot summer, High temperatures, bright sunny days, and little rain, coupled with a festering algae bloom throughout the canal system, caused water temperatures to spike. Despite the aquifer water and addition of chemicals to treat the algae, canal temperatures remain high. In July and August, they reached at times 102 degrees. If temperatures exceed 104 degrees, the plant's two new nuclear reactors would need to start shutting down within 12 hours. That's the hottest cooling water I've ever heard of. Indeed. And a nuclear reactor on South Korea's southeast coast halted operation this week as rainwater flooded in. The Gori 2 nuclear power plant. Not really Gori, is it? It is Gori. With an eye. South of Seoul. Was manually shut down. No immediate threats of a radiation leak have been detected. As excessive water flowed into a building that takes in seawater to cur- cool down the turbines we decided to manually halt the operation of the nuclear reactor for the safety of the electrical equipment. So the water wasn't too hot. There was just too much of it. It's neat. Heavy rain pummeled Busan, where the nuclear reactor is located. It's unusual the nuclear reactor is shut down from heavy rain. And f- what? No, it's just water, water everywhere. None for nuclear plants. Yeah, it's tragic, isn't it? And Dateline Tokyo, an 882-pound machine part fell into a nuclear fuel, fuel, fuel pool. What? Full fuel? Full fuel. Fuel pool at Japan's crippled Fuk plant, the operator said, the operator being TEPCO. They did not detected any significant changes in radiation readings or in the level of pool water at the number three reactor. The incident occurred shortly afternoon. 
during a remotely controlled operation to remove debris from the fuel pond at the unit where the broken reactor still lies untouched, in case you were wondering. I wasn't. The pool contains 566 fuel rods, most of which are spent. I know the feeling. The operating console of the fuel handling machine slipped loose and fell into the pool as it was about to be lifted by a crane. The console weighed 882 pounds. That's a hot splash. Hot splashes. Yes, they're having hot splashes. Good point, Eddie. Clean, cheap, safe, too hot to meter. Our friend the Adam. And now, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He's at no stoops. He's an inspector. General. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. News of Inspector General, ladies and gentlemen, from politifact.com, which is put out by the Tampa Bay Times. It's a fact-checking thing. Uh, CNN reported that veterans were dying to delays at VA hospitals, but an Inspector General's report released this week found that allegation unsubstantiated. Back in May, of course, The news shows were full of administrative delays that caused the deaths of 40 veterans at a VA hospital in Phoenix. Mismanagement and even criminal deceit had cut short the lives of people who'd served their country, according to the stories. But this week, the Office of Inspector General at the VA issued its final report on the matter. It did confirm a manipulation of scheduling records that it called unethical and in some cases criminal. It refuted the allegation that drove the headlines. We were unable to assert that the absence of timely quality care caused the deaths of these veterans, the investigators wrote. National programs from Fox, NBC, and ABC didn't report it at all. CBS, NBC, and PBS mentioned it in passing. Only CNN consistently gave the story more attention than any other outlet and spent appreciable time relaying the Inspector General's findings. CNN had conducted an investigation that spurred lawmakers to draw attention to the troubles at the VA hospital in the first place. So they were following up. Won't be doing that much longer after the cutbacks this week. And Dayline Washington, ground stations for the United States' next civilian polar orbiting weather satellite system contained several significant and high-risk vulnerabilities to would-be attackers. The U.S. National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration is taking far too long to address these vulnerabilities. This according to the Commerce Department's Office of Inspector General. Inspector General said many of the security problems with the Joint Polar Satellite System, the JPSS, require minor fixes, updating software, or applying security patches. But NOAA has often taken 11 to 14 months to fix the software, far longer than the three months the Inspector General recommended and the 30 days spelled out, not only recommended, in the JPSS system guidelines. The report cited 9,100 instances where the JPSS ground network was left exposed by out-of-date software, missing security patches, incorrectly configured software, or other problems. This is the next generation of polar orbiting weather satellites used for short-term weather forecasts and long-term climate monitoring. The remediation of high-risk vulnerabilities is critical to the continued success of the mission and should have a high priority, says the Inspector General. He added, and there should be a pony. News of Inspector General, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast, which is glad to celebrate 
some more summer. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. A little light shining through the window lets me know that everything's From London, this is Le Show, and uh, oh, that's Daniel Pletka clearing his throat. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news from outside the bubble. Well, how how are the Western economies going? Some uh, six years after the the big. Pfft, 
financial. Well, here's one indication from the Guardian newspaper in London. Poverty is forcing people to have dangerously poor diets and is leading to the return of rickets and gout, diseases of the Victorian age that affect bones and joints, according to the British Faculty of Public Health. Doctors and hospitals are seeing a rise in children suffering from ailments caused by poor diet, and the faculty has linked the trend to people's inability to afford quality food. Latest figures show there's been a 19% increase in people hospitalized in England and Wales for malnutrition over the past 12 months. Experts say this is only the extreme end. Dr. John Middleton from the faculty said the calls the, the, the faculty's manifesto to be published next month will call for a national food policy, including a sugar tax. He said obesity remained the biggest problem of food poverty. Families are forced into choosing cheap, processed, high-fat foods to survive. It's getting worse because people can't afford good quality food, he said. Malnutrition, rickets, and other manifestations of extreme poor diet are becoming apparent. G- uh, GPs are reporting rickets in Manchester, the east end of London, Birmingham, and the West Midlands. It's a condition we believed should have died out. Vitamin deficiency states of gout, malnutrition being seen in hospital admission statistics are extreme manifestations of specific dietary deficiencies or excess, but they are markers of a national diet which is poor. Here, have something from the machine, won't you? News from outside the bubble, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, sir. Oh, I'm here. I'm right here. Well, sir, the uh, as you know, probably, that, uh, you know, we brought democracy to Afghanistan. And um, they they had the pur- they did the purple fingers bit. That was in June. Uh, and yet. There has been no new government. The uh, two the, the June election was a runoff, the fir- the uh, primary was won by Abdullah Abdullah, the former foreign minister in uh, the Karzai government circa 2009. But he didn't win a majority, so there had to be a runoff against uh, a gentleman, Dr. Ghani. And uh, Dr. Ghani won, uh, won big in June. So there are immediately immediate calls on the part of Abdullah Abdullah for a recount or some kind of Reexamination, calling for uh, calling out m- massive fraud, ballot stuffing, a uh, lot more people voting, being reported as having voted in a uh, precinct than actually even lived there. Uh, so, elect- uh, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry flew over there a couple of times in emergencies, hammered together agreements between Abdullah and Ghani uh, to go forward with the United Nations-sponsored vote recount, vote um, audit. Of every vote. They're counting every vote, supposedly. If only Al Gore had... Anyway. Um, and every couple of weeks, that process has stalled. Most recently this week, when Abdullah Abdullah and his people walked away from the auditing process, saying rule changes or procedural changes that they had demanded were not being put into uh, place by the UN auditors, and they were not going to participate or cooperate anymore thus throwing into some doubt whether what will happen when the United Nations reports corrected election results 
they're now saying no sooner than September 10th, which is an interesting date because President Karzai still in office, extended his uh, tenure. I guess you can do that if you're president of Afghanistan. But has said, as of Tuesday of this week, he's gone. He's gone pecan on Tuesday, September 2nd. Which would leave an interesting vacuum in Afghanistan. Uh, That's how it sounds from here. Let's see how it sounds from there. From Afghanistan Public Radio, bringing the country together one pledge drive at a time. From the soon-to-be-empty presidential palace of downtown Kabul, which looks exactly like uptown Kabul, (laughs) I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're Crip and Crap, the Pack-Up Brothers. (laughs) Welcome to still another edition of Cars I Talk. Today's program comes to you with the help of the Karzai Foundation, welcoming its newest senior fellow, me. (laughs) And let me just say that I'm honored to be among so many thoughtful and talented people who happen to be named Karzai. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm not thoughtful or talented enough to be a senior fellow, or even a jolly good fellow. (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense, my dear older brother. It's just that... uh, a 501c4 tax-deductible foundation cannot have on its staff an admitted Toyota dealer. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, I am Mm. proud to say we have provided the official cars for the UN election auditors to escape to the airport. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mm. we laugh, Mm -hmm. but the election auditors have a challenging and difficult job to do. Oh, of course they do. Mm, It's not easy to get decent food in that neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Especially delivered in... (laughs) (laughs) No wonder it's taking so long to audit all the ballots. Mm. Maybe along with all those auditors and observers, they should have brought along a cook. (laughs) 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 Or at least the local franchisee of that that Thai chicken place. Ah, yes, I know the one you mean. Kentucky Thai chicken. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. Hello, you're on Karzai Talk. Hello. I'm Abdullah, long-time presidential candidate, uh, second-time caller. Aha, this would be our old friend Abdullah Abdullah. Uh, of course. Distinguished former foreign minister, how should we address you? I, I think we just call him Abdullah. In the midst of all of this uh, sparkling banter, <laughs> I do have a question, uh, by the way. Uh, one question per ten minutes of banter is what the format sheet says. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to know. Since our esteemed president has said he is definitely leaving office this Tuesday. Yes, yes, I have said that. And uh, uh, since the head of the UN auditing team says the now discredited recount will not be finished until at least uh, eight days later. Uh, and just to be fair, he mm-hmm. didn't say the now discredited part. Uh, that was no, uh, no, no. That's right. That was my comment uh, interpolated into the question, which is now almost as long as the sparkling bender. <laughs> <laughs> The, the question is, mm. who governs Afghanistan during uh, uh, that at least eight-day period? Are you asking or are you applying for the job? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a, a little of both. <laughs> Abdallah, <laughs> I find your honesty almost as refreshing as the pomegranate juice I'll be endorsing as soon as I leave office. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, he can't wait to get away from these strictures of public radio. Uh, 
uh, did you say get away from or do away with? Actually, a little of both. (laughs) 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 But seriously, Abdullah, you ask a good question. On the one hand, I've stayed here far beyond the original deadline for a transfer of power. Uh, uh, That's true enough, and uh, we thank you for your service. Oh, Oh, don't, don't, don't. It was his pleasure. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, the recount can't be speeded up or it will lose all credibility. Uh, Actually, Hamid, uh, didn't it lose all credibility about a month ago? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you've asked another question. We haven't had enough banter yet. But back to the subject. Given these conflicting demands, I think the only plausible solution is to keep bubble wrapping the valuables and keep answering the phone. (laughs) (laughs) And somebody's got to keep opening those envelopes from the Americans. Because uh, aid checks are inside. Oh, well, either aid checks or Another reminder of a special deal from Time Warner Cable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, having run for president twice, I'm qualified to at least assume the duties in a caretaker position if I'm called upon to do so. Oh, and uh, who would issue that call? Oh, uh, perhaps someone uh, grateful for a very special one-time pledge for which uh, I'd waive the right to a backstage pass for the Sting concert. (laughs) (laughs) Abdullah, of course, it's none of my business how my younger brother conducts his business, Mm -hmm. but uh, wouldn't this conversation be best conducted in a situation where... No one else was listening. Oh, of course. Mm. That's why I called your show. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wait till you see the ratings when we go into reruns. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call. He sounded like a man who knows he can't make a deal with his opponent. Mm, hmm? He sounds more like a man who's just made a deal with his opponent and wants to better it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why you're the president and I'm the Toyota dealer. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Uh, Hello, I'm Brit, a long-time UN election observer, uh, first-time caller. Uh, Brit? You sound like a Brit. Well, I am a Brit. Uh, No, but I mean, and your name is Brit. Uh, Yes, that it is, short for Britnam. Well, (laughs) we used up plenty of time on your name. What's your question? (laughs) Actually, I wasn't called Brit till I went to public school, but... Uh, This Afghan life is coming up next with a whole show devoted to crazy fathers, so we need to get to your question fast. Right. Uh, We on the Observer team are very grateful for the facilities that have been supplied to us during our uh, surprisingly lengthy stay here. Oh, well, we Afghans are famous for our hospitality, Mm -hmm. as long as you don't invade us. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, And certainly the hygiene facilities have been of a far higher caliber than uh, we've been led to expect. Oh, yes. We stopped squatting in the mud as soon as the Russians left. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the team has authorized me to inquire if there is any definite date for the uh, new shipment of what I gather the Americans have have taught you to describe as uh, facial quality bathroom tissue. Mm Hmm. Well, I thought we would be getting a bottom-line question from you, Brit, but this is more than I expected. (laughs) Obviously, this is one of the issues that I should be glad to hand over to my chosen successor, whoever he is and uh, whoever is the chooser. But uh, Brit, uh, while he was waffling, I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you are helping to supervise the ballot counting process, correct? 
That is correct. And uh, you've already encountered a lot of spoiled ballots? I should say in the low millions. And they're spoiled only in the sense of the uh, democracy legitimacy thing? Yes, but... uh, but I think you'd be delighted to find spoiled Afghan ballots about halfway between Charmin and wax paper. (laughs) 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 Thanks for the call. We had help today from the Wax Paper Foundation. Wax Paper, we're still here. Legal services <laughs> for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Newcomb. I'm Hamid. And I'm Mahmoud. Join us again, possibly still, <laughs> for yet more cars I talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Bumper crop of apologies this week. Contently, which is a company that uh, provides writers for brands who want uh, stories written about them for the internets. Contently sent an email this week with the subject line, Why You Should Work for Free. It has then apologized. Dear readers, our deepest apologies for the subject line of that email. Our email marketing team was just trying to write a compelling subject line and it misrepresented the contents of the article within. Trying to dispel the notion that they want people to work for free, I guess. The piece, they explained, is how writing for free on a site like the Huffington Post can be beneficial for people trying to drum up attention for their businesses, but it's a bad idea for anyone who makes a living as a writer. Right then. Dayline San Francisco, Google apologized this week for a system glitch or a glistum sitch in which some searches yielded repeating images of what appeared to be a car crash in Russia. In Russia, car crashing. Oops, a Google spokeswoman said. We fixed it. We apologize. The image was included in various searches, sometimes repeating endlessly. The problem was reported on a Google site that monitors system problems. The least we could have done was show everyone micropigs instead, the Google spokeswoman added in an email that included a link to a Google search page filled with images of pigs. How you like us now? Deadline Stockholm, a Swedish TV network, has apologized to Costa Rica for using the Central American country's national anthem to promote a comedy show. TV4 is using the anthem for in a trailer for Parlamentet, a popular game show featuring some of Sweden's best-known comedians trying to find Julian Assange. No, not doing that. After receiving complaints from Costa Ricans living in Sweden, Costa... Costa Ricans living in Sweden? Can't stand the heat. Costa Rica, or the monkeys, Costa Rica lodged a diplomatic protest calling it a grave disrespect to our national symbol. Network spokesman Anders Edholm said producers have apologized to Costa Rica's ambassador and assured him they won't show the trailer after the first episode of the season airs Sunday. Well, then, you won't need to air the trailer anymore, will you, sir? Nice work. Ed Holmes said the producers picked the tune from a music library because it was beautiful and grand. They weren't aware it was Costa Rica's national anthem. If any Costa Ricans were offended, of course, we apologize. That's a Swedish apology. The ambassador 
said at the same time we accept the apology we feel offended it's outrageous to use a national anthem as background music all right then deadline st louis county a suspended glendale that's glendale near st louis police officer who called Ferguson protesters, quote, a burden on society and a blight on the community and said they should have been put down like a rabid dog, unquote, apologized for his statements. Officer Matthew Pappert said in a statement to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch he was deeply remorseful, and the statement said he recognized that his words were insensitive and hurtful. The statement apologized to the people of Glendale and his co-workers of the Glendale Police Department as well as the community that I have offended. Pappert said he plans to engage in diversity training and hopes to lead by example in the fight for social justice. His lawyer said he's an emotional mess right now. He's embarrassed and very sorrowful. His suspension, he was suspended after the postings emerged, came at the same day the St. Louis County officer, police officer Dan Page was suspended over a YouTube video containing incendiary comments. And St. Anne, another suburb police lieutenant, Ray Albers was suspended Wednesday for pointing a semi-automatic assault rifle at a Ferguson protester. So everything's cooled down nicely over in uh, the St. Louis area. Glad, glad to hear that emotions have uh, stabilized. But wait, there's more. A British Columbia health authority has removed a controversial breastfeeding handout that had condemned formula feeding Fraser Health apologized on Wednesday for their feeding plan, which contained a number of warnings regarding formula feeding, including claims that babies who aren't breastfed are at greater risk of developing certain childhood cancers and diabetes. The form also noted that non-breastfed children may score lower on IQ tests. The form has been pulled from circulation and will undergo a revision. We're sincerely sorry for the offense it has caused. The maternity director, Tamara Van Tent, Van Tent, told a Vancouver TV station it was not our intention to offend. The form has been distributed since 2007. Revised versions have been developed since then. I think we've determined that some of the language could be softened a bit. The Secretary to the Treasury of Uganda, Keith Muhakanazi, has apologized to Ugandan taxpayers for the billions of money lost through corruption in government. That's refreshing. You've got to be a non-Western country to actually apologize for your corruption, I guess. The Legionaries of Christ have apologized for a, a, a statement in a promotional booklet comparing the order's serial abuser founder to Mary Magdalene. I personally and profoundly apologize for my reflections in the booklet Magdala, God Really Loves Women, published this summer, says Friar Juan Solana, the booklet promoting... The new center included a reflection by Solana on Father Maciel Maciel de Goyado, dismissed from the ministry in 2006 by the Vatican after it was discovered he sexually abused seminarians and had fathered children, in which the writer compared the Legion founder to Mary Magdalene. He's sorry about that. One of the things he thought was interesting and worthy of comparison was that Father Maciel and Mary Magdalene both had the initials M.M., that's nutty. Dateline, Kaufman County, Texas, video of a North Texas mother being pulled over, handcuffed, and arrested in front of her children has become a hot topic across the country. Police in Forney, Texas, 
have apologized to Kamitra Barber after forcing her to exit her car with her hands up and behind her head. She complied with every instruction by officers, but could be heard on video saying, my kids, they're six and eight and ten and nine. What are we doing? Oh, my God, you will terrify my children. Officials admit to mistakenly pulling Barber over on a felony traffic stop. Officers were responding to a call about a reckless driver who had a weapon. Police have since issued an apology to Barber and her family, calling the police stop a frightening and unfortunate incident. Police stopped Barber even though her car did not match the initial vehicle description. The person who called 911 told authorities the person driving recklessly and waving a gun was in a beige or tan-colored Toyota. She was driving a burgundy Nissan Maxima. The caller also said the suspect vehicle was occupied by four black males. Barbara was in the car with her two children and two godchildren. They got the race right. San Diego Chargers radio announcer Hank Bowers apologized for an on-air joke that many felt was anti-Semitic. His joke came towards the end of the Chargers' preseason game against San Francisco last week. I made a heartful insinuation that I regret and would like to express how sorry I am. My poor choice of words said Bauer. Headline Canberra, Australia. Australian mining magnate turned lawmaker Clive Palmer has apologized to China over an extraordinary tirade on national television in which he called the Chinese bastards and mongrels and accused Beijing of trying to take over Australia. He apparently has his own party, the Palmer United Party. NBC News President Deborah Turnus had to apologize after infuriating top executives and talent by announcing the network news organization had been asleep for 15 years. She came to the job from Britain's ITV a year ago, dropped the clangor in a New York Times interview, saying NBC News hadn't kept up with the Times in all sorts of ways for maybe 15 years. I think the organization had gone to sleep. Sources told the New York Post that Tom Brokaw managing anchor of Nightly News. And CNN chief Jeff Zucker, who used to be at NBC, are apoplectic over, or sorry, apoplectic over Turnus's remark. Turnus was forced out to send out apologetic emails to staff addressing her comment. Apologetic emails. That's right. And would those be it? Anything more worth? The Zara clothing chain, the international clothing chain, apologized for selling a blue and white striped shirt with a six-pointed yellow star on the chest. The shirt for toddler boys is identified on the Zara Israel website as a striped sheriff T-shirt. But Israelis on social media have called it everything from poor taste to anti-Semitic. The yellow star, six-pointed star, of course, was forced upon Jews by the Nazis. The head of a company that provides food services at the Florida State Fair and at the uh, Tropicana Field Baseball Stadium was placed on indefinite probation. Desmond Haig, the CEO of Centerplate, is entering anger management counseling after he... um, was videotaped kicking and abusing a puppy in an elevator in Vancouver. And uh, the Rays, the Tampa Bay Rays, apologized on his behalf. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Oh, one more. ESPN apologized for a Sports Center report that detailed the showering habits of Michael Sam, 
who was cut by the Rams later in the week, but Sam, the first acknowledged gay player in the NFL. ESPN regrets the manner in which we presented our report. They said... Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The 440 cable system in Japan, around the world, through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.490 megahertz shortwave. On the mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world, via the Internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast from WWNO.org, Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And it'd be just like covering the showering habits of all the NFL players if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. The tip of the show chapeau from the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead. Thanks to Jenny Lawson at WWNO in New Orleans and to Adrian Bottom at Global Radio in London for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program and the playlist of the music heard here on and Cars I Talk t-shirts available at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from London. <laughs> <laughs>